Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. Birth of Cormac. Of all the kings that ruled over Ireland, none had a better and more loyal servant than was Finn McCool. And of all the captains and councillors of kings, none ever served a more glorious and nobler monarch than did Finn. For at the time that he served Cormac, son of Art, son of Con of the Hundred Battles. At the time at which this monarch lived and reigned, the mist of 16 centuries hangs between us and the history of Ireland. But through this mist, there shine a few great and sun-like figures, whose glory cannot be altogether hidden. And of these figures, Cormac is the greatest and the brightest. Much that is told about him may be true, and much is certainly fable, but the fables themselves are a witness to his greatness. They are like forms seen in the mist when the great light is shining behind it. And we cannot always say when we are looking at true light and when at reflected glory. The birth of Cormac was on this wise. His father, as we have said, was Art, son of Con, and his mother was named Acta, being the daughter of a famous smith or ironworker of Connacht. Now before the birth of Cormac, Acta had a strange dream, namely that her head was struck off from her body and that out of her neck there grew a great tree, which extended its branches all over Ireland, and flourished exceedingly. But a huge wave of sea burst upon it, and laid it low. Then from the roots of this tree there grew another, but it did not attain the splendour of the first, and a blast of wind came from the west, and overthrew it. On this, the woman started from her sleep, and she woke her husband, Art, and told him her vision. It is a true dream, said Art. I am thy head, and this pretends that I shall be violently taken from thee. But thou shalt bear me a son, who shall be the king of all Ireland, and shall rule with great power and glory, until some disaster from the sea overtake him. But from him shall come yet another king, my grandson and thine, who shall also be cut down, and I think that the cause of his fall shall be the armies of the Fian host, who are swift and as keen as the wind. Not long thereafter, Art, son of Con, fell in battle with the Picts and the Britons at the Plain of the Swine, which is between Athenry and Galway in Connacht. The leader of the invaders was then MacCon, a nephew to Art, who had been banished out of Ireland for a rising against the High King. And when he had slain Art, he seized the sovereignty of Ireland and reigned there unlawfully for many years. But before the battle, Art had counselled his wife, Things go well with us in the fight, and I am slain. Seek out my faithful friend Luna, who dwells in Corin and Conan, and he will protect thee until thy son is born. So Acta, with one maid, fled in her chariot before the host of Macon, and sought to go to the dun of Luna. 
On her way thither, however, the hour came when her child should be born, and the maid turned the chariot aside into the wild wood, at a place called Kriva, the place of twigs. And there, on a couch of twigs and leaves, she gave birth to a noble son. Then Akta, when she had cherished her boy and rejoiced over him, bade her handmaid keep watch over both of them, and they fell asleep. But the maid's eyes were heavy with weariness and long travelling, and ere long she, too, was overpowered by slumber, and all three slept a deep sleep, while the horses wandered away, grazing in the wood. By and by, there came a she-wolf roaming through the wood, in search of prey for her whelps, and it came upon the sleeping woman and the little child. It did not wake the woman, but very softly it picked up the infant, and bore it off to the stony cave that is hard by Kriva in the hill, that was afterwards called Mount Cormac. After a while, the mother waked up and found her child gone. She uttered a lamentable cry and woke her handmaid, and both the women searched hither and thither, but no trace of the child could they find. And thus Luna found them, for he had heard news of the battle and the death of his king, and he had come to succour to Acta, as he pledged his word to do. Luna and his men also made search for the infant, but it was in vain and at last he conveyed the two sorrowing women to his palace. But Acta was somewhat comforted by her prophetic dream. Luna then proclaimed that whoever should discover the king's son, if he were still yet alive, might claim of him what reward he would. And so the time passed, till one day, a man named Grek, a clansman of Luna the Lord of Corin, as he ranged the woods hunting, came upon a stony cavern in the side of the hill, and before it he saw wolf cubs at play, and among them a naked child on all fours, gambling with them, and a great she-wolf that mothered them all. Right, cried Greg, and off he goes to Luna his lord. What wilt thou give me for the king's son? said he. What wilt thou have? said Luna. So Greg asked for certain lands, and Luna bound himself to give them to him and to his posterity and there lived and flourished the clan Gregor for many a generation to come. So Luna, guided by Greg, went to the cave on Mount Cormac, and took the child and the wolf cubs all together and brought them home. And the child they called Cormac, or the chariot child. Now the lad grew up very comely and strong, and he abode with Luna in Connet, and no one told him of his descent. The Judgment of Cormac Once upon a time, it happened that Cormac was at play with the two sons of Luna, and the lads grew angry in their play and came to blows, and Cormac struck one of them to the ground. Sorrow on it, cried the lad. Here I have been beaten by one that knows not his clan or his kindred, save that he is a fellow without father. When Cormac heard this, he was troubled and ashamed and he went to Luna and told him what had been said. And Luna, seeing the trouble of the youth, and also that he was strong and noble to look on, and wise and eloquent in speech, held that the time was now to reveal to him his descent. Thou hadst indeed a clan and kindred, he said, and a father of the noblest, for thou art the son of Art, the High King of Ireland, who was slain and dispossessed by Mac Con. But it is foretold, that thou shalt yet come to thy father's place, 
and the land pines for thee even now. For there is no good yield from the earth or sea under the unlawful rule of him who now sits on the throne of art. If that be so, said Cormac, let us go to Tara and bide our time there in my father's house. So the two men set out for Tara on the morrow morn, and this was the retinue they had with them, a bodyguard of outlawed men that had revolted against Macacon and the other lords that had gathered themselves together at Corin under Luna, and four wolves that had been cubs with Cormac when the she-wolf suckled him. When they came to Tara, the folk there wondered at the fierce-eyed warriors and the grey beasts that played like dogs around Cormac, and the lad was adopted as a pupil by the king to be taught arms and poetry and law. Much talk there was of his coming and of his strange companions that were not wont to be the friends of man, and as the lad grew in comeliness and in knowledge, the eyes of all were turned to him more and more, because the rule of Macon was not good. So the time wore on, till one day, a case came for judgment before the king, in which the queen sued a certain wealthy woman and an owner of herds named Benna, for that the sheep of Benna had strayed into the queen's fields and had eaten to the ground a crop of wood that was growing there. The king gave his judgment that the sheep which had eaten the wood were to be given to the queen in compensation for what they had destroyed. Then Cormac rose up before the people and said, Nay, but let the wool of the sheep, when they are next shorn, be given to the queen, for the wood will grow again, and so shall the wool. A true judgment, a true judgment, cried all the folk that were present in the palace. A very king's son he is that hath pronounced it. And they murmured so loudly against Macon that his druids counselled him to quit Tara, lest a worse thing befall him. And so he gave up sovereignty to Cormac and went southwards to Munster to rally his friends there and recover the kingdom. And there he was slain by Cormac's men, as he was distributing great largesse of gold and silver to his followers in the place called the Field of the Gold. So Cormac, son of Art, ruled in Tara and was the High King of all Ireland. And the land, it is said, knew its rightful lord and yielded harvests such as never were known while the forest trees dripped with the abundance of honey, and the lakes and rivers were alive with fish. So much game was there too, that the folk could have lived on that alone and never put a ploughshare in the soil. In Cormac's time, the autumn was not vexed with rain, nor the spring with icy winds, nor the summer with parching heat, nor the winter with whelming snows. His rule in Erin, it is said, was like a wand of gold laid on a dish of silver. He rebuilt the ramparts of Tara and made it strong, and he enlarged the great banqueting hall and made pillars of cedar in it ornamented with plates of bronze and painted its lime-white walls and patterns of red and blue. Palaces for the women he made there, and storehouses, and halls for the fighting men. Never was Tara so populous or so glorious before or since. And for his wisdom and righteousness, knowledge was given to him that none other in Ireland had as yet. For it was revealed to him that the immortal ones whom the Gael worshipped were but the names of one whom none can name, and that his message should ere long come to Ireland from over the eastern sea, calling the people to a sweeter and diviner faith. And to the end of his life, it was his way to have wolves about him, for he knew their speech and they his, 
and they were friendly and tame with him and his folk, since they were foster brothers together in the wild wood. <laughs> 